0: Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I am going to be giving you all recaps on the Thunder Grizzlies as well as the OKC Blue Hustle games that we saw on Wednesday. And I want to preface this by saying, my bad, if this goes up a little bit late, we've had some power issues kind of going on. So, I was not able to just, like, immediately record in the morning a little bit later. We'll see how long it takes to, like, render and stuff. Hopefully, it goes up in time for it to continue to say this is daily, because I'm going to be pretty heartbroken if it doesn't, because I've been on a pretty good streak, but it is what it is. Anyways, just jumping right into the games, though. OKC versus Grizzlies. I mean, OKC, they were on a bit of a time restraint as well, because they arrived to the FedEx Forum at 6.15 on Wednesday. That's pretty much unheard of. Normally, NBA teams, they arrive and they have like a whole day of rest and then they can practice before the game, whatever. Pretty much none of that. I mean, conditions in OKC are absolutely terrible, so they didn't fly immediately. They didn't get any good rest in. Pretty much just AAU, get dropped off and go out there. I don't think they got much more in than like a layup line and a bit of a shoot around, so kind of going in there with with nothing to them. I mean, the Grizzlies, they've been hunched down in Memphis, so they kind of knew a strategy. They've been working. They were ready for it. OKC on a second game of a back-to-back set. Clearly, I mean, there's always prep, but you're not being able to get any sort of practice experience before you jump right in, it may affect the swing of things. One positive thing for the Thunder, though, going into this, Shea Gilgis-Alexander was back into the rotation, back from that knee injury plaguing him for like five games or something and then you know he had like one game where he played but he's been out pretty much all of february with this thing nice to see him back and you got a pretty funky well not funky really you got a new starting lineup with sga maladone dort basley and roby because al horford not playing on the second day of a back-to-back we know that so just out for rest and then you're going up against the Memphis Grizzlies. They got pretty much everybody. Morant was playing, and they got Valanchunas. And we've seen Roby kind of go against some of these more premier centers and get just out-rebounded to oblivion. See how he holds up against Valanchunas. But in the first quarter, Thunder didn't look to SGA immediately. Normally, they just look to straight-up drive every single time they can with SGA. Didn't do that through the first four minutes, I'd say. It was 8-8 eight to eight by that point. But then that's when SGA came in and Dagnall just wanted him to kind of run the show. So they went from drive to dishes, high ball screens, constantly against the Grizzlies. Number one option on that is SGA. You got Maladon right behind him. And then even Dort was getting in on the penetration action in the first period. And what it led to was a lot of looks outside. They shot three of eight on threes in the first quarter. So pretty solid there. And then they also were just going into attack mode because, you know, if you got a two-on-two or two-on-one right around the basket, you want to attack and try to get some calls. So they had 11 free throws in the first. Memphis, on the other hand, they only had five attempts from there. So there was a clear change of pace on how they were playing due to SGA being back. As mentioned, they just want to be in attack mode, going abusive with the high ball screens, and it worked well because Roby's a lot faster than Valanchunas. I think he was able to step out for a pick-and-pop three in the first, so it looked really well from that perspective. But then you kind of go away from getting a lot of backdoor cuts and just positionless basketball that we've seen them play. With Roby put in instead of Horford, it helps out a lot, but there are clear roles in the team whenever SGA's playing. I think whenever... You got Diallo running the point guard. There's, an, It's it's not really sure. Like, there's no evident pathway on how the team is going to play. You got Kendrick Williams, you can go off. Diallo's going off. Basley can go off. I think whenever you got SGA, you know you have a number one option. So the offense kind of gathers around him. When he's out, it's kind of everyone just working together. And if one person emerges, they just run with it, right? So just set out there and because that they wanted to shoot a lot from three and for the memphis grizzlies they were kind of stopping the thunder they also were getting a little flurry of shots in through john morant and valentunis on high ball screens and such thunder were up a point though going into the second quarter up 31 to 30 and in the second they kept going to these high ball screens that was their bread and butter wanted to continue it and they did it as much as humanly possible probably got other guys hot in that little swivel of things but they got a little careless with the basketball and this is kind of where some of the downfall started happening and it allowed for a lot of Grizzlies extra possessions off of turnovers and easy shots inside so so the Grizzlies actually took the lead they were just up one point though they were up 57 to 56 at halftime and I think just assessing how everything looked at halftime, yeah, just a lot of SGA Roby, they accounted for 22 of the 56 points the Thunder had at the first half, and they continued to shoot at a high level everywhere, shot an even 50% from the two, that is 18 of 36 shooting, and then from three, they shot 9 of 18, so great from them and I think the surprising stat was they were out rebounding the Memphis Grizzlies despite not having Horford they rebounded them 23 to 16 and Roby already had six rebounds that problem though it wasn't it wasn't on shooting tell you that much it was on how they were controlling the basketball you can't give up 13 turnovers and expect to be in the game even when you're shooting that well they should have been lucky they were just down one to be honest with you. Outside of that, it was a perfect performance, but that's going to kill you every time. Grizzlies got 12 steals out of those 13 turnovers, and it resulted in 17 points coming off of turnovers. And in the third, I'd say Isaiah Roby, he kept shining. He had some huge energy plays. He jarred the ball out of Jonas Valanciunas' hands off a post-up. And then on the other end, you got Teo Maladone, he's always looking to attack, he wanted a high ball screen from Roby, and Roby, I think Maladone wanted to go, it was like left wing or something, he wanted to try to cut to the basket, Roby saw something wrong, so he didn't want to do that, he was like trying to set a screen, but then he's like pointing like to Diallo, I, I believe it was, so he instructed Maladon to pass the ball to Diallo, he ends up doing that, great screen set by Roby, Diallo's able to get inside, so... That's just something I really love to see from him. And he was just crashing right into people to get to the free throw line. And however, in that span though, the Thunder, they weren't really contributing that many points. Like there were a lot of great opportunities, but none of them were going in. And the Grizzlies, I mean, they weren't playing amazing, but they were getting points up. So they went on a 10-2 run in the first three minutes to get a nine-point lead. And then luckily for the Thunder, that's when they kind of got into the swing of things. Like right as the game looks like it could be going one way, that's when the Thunder kick in and make a little mini run of their own. So Maladone got a catch and shoot three. And then Isaiah Roby, he had a beautiful handoff inside to Lou Dort. He got an and one, hit the free throw. It's a one possession game yet again. And the Thunder cut the game to one point with four minutes to go. But then the Grizzlies got on a 7-0 run to push the game up to eight and they held the lead by the quarters close but there was a lot of fight to the thunder they were still tagging along and they chipped it down to one point again so a one point lead for the first the second and the third quarter absolute dogfight just 86 to 85 going into the final period and what was funny was actually it got tied up by the start of the fourth because The Grizzlies head coach, Taylor Jenkins, he like lost his mind after the third quarter. I think there was like a controversial call that he was really adamant about. He was getting pretty loud with the refs. They didn't call a tech in the period. But afterwards, whenever it's like a timeout break, get ready for the next quarter. That's when he kind of blew up and they called it tech. There was actually no footage of this on Fox Sports Oklahoma. Just kind of had to take Chris Fisher's word for it on what happened anyways thunder gets to the line they hit the free throw so it was 86 86 going into the fourth quarter and something that the thunder looked to build on heading into the fourth was the three because i didn't mention it they hit six triples in the third quarter six of 13 from there and they only had eight field goals the entire third so 75 percent of their shots came from downtown so good on them For that, but they needed to continue it if they were gonna beat the Memphis Grizzlies. And the Thunder, they actually got on the high side early on off a Justin Jackson free throw. But then the Grizzlies went on a 9 1 run. And in that span of time, Jonas Valentunas, this is when the rebound game really became critical. He's a lot taller than Roby is. He's gonna sky over him for the boards. He had four offensive rebounds that helped lead to those nine points. And it continued to grow. They went on a 20-3 run that put Memphis up 13 with 7 minutes to go. And it got a little interesting because even though the Grizzlies seemed to have it, I mean, I'd say from like the 7-minute mark to the 3-minute mark, it seemed like it would be impossible for the Thunder to make any sort of run. But they actually made a decent play. And they had the game to just 8 points with 25 seconds to go. I know that's still, like, you're not going to do that typically. I mean, the odds of you actually winning a game when you're down 8 with 25 seconds, pretty much nothing, but at least it's a little bit of a chance he got right there. And it helped out a bit too because right after this play, I guess they had to inbound the ball with 25 seconds. Jenkins got really mad again, so he got ejected. I believe their replacement, like their head assistant coach if that's what you want to call it, he actually used to work for the Thunder, and as I was told by uh, Nick, who I brought on here a couple times, he apparently coached the Tulsa 66ers for a brief stint, so that's pretty cool, anyways, he checked in for Jenkins, Thunder get a free throw, they hit the free throw, so seven point lead for the Grizzlies, 25 seconds left, they kind of run across the court too much time gets cut down and that's pretty much all she wrote the grizzlies ended up winning 122 to 113 grizzlies move up to 12 and 12 in the standings that is good for ninth in the conference while the thunder they lost with this one their last four of five go to 11 and 17 in the standings that is 14th place right there and they're tied with the rockets but since the Rockets beat the Thunder in the head-to-head, Rockets are 13, Thunder are 14. Shea Gilgis-Alexander drops 22 points in this return game, 6 of 14 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3, and 8 of 8 from the line. In attack mode, when you got SGA on the floor, he's he was the number one leader in the NBA on drives before he got hurt. I don't know if Doncic has overtaken him, but yeah, he was driving a lot in the game, and it showed up a lot in the stats. He had six assists, only one turnover to that, so it wasn't one of the main problems when it came to the Grizzlies getting active defensively early. I think maybe a couple of his shots might have been rushed, especially from three. But I would say for a return game after being gone for a pretty solid time, this was not bad at all, and I'm not going to knock SGA for playing his style. I just think watching this one clearly a difference between how the thunder have been playing with him out and him playing again they still got a lot of assists they had 25 so i think their streak of 20 plus assists is now to eight games but it seemed like they were getting them a little bit differently like whenever sga was gone you would see guys like Kenrich williams coming out of nowhere to get like eight assists horford was getting 10 i know he wasn't playing but you just see different people being playmakers With him, you got your central playmaker, you got your central scorer. He had a lot of great plays, so nothing wrong with that. Did exactly what Dagnall wanted him to do, so good on him for that. Darius Baisley, he had a bounce-back game again. Pretty much, like, he'll have have one good game and then one off game. This was one of his good games, so he gets 18 points on 7 of 14, shooting 4 of 8 from downtown seven rebounds and two assists and I really liked how he was able to navigate inside and he's just very elite when it comes to getting through power forward sliding into the lane and giving you that sweet like jab step hop step whatever great at sidestepping defenders to get the extra kind of open look he had a couple of sweet layups inside where he did a little sidestep but he didn't actually get them to go once he's able to finally get those shots in, he should be going off for 20 points a lot more because now he's not just a straight up catch and shoot player who will dribble, do like a step back and and fire away. He actually looks to go inside probably more now than ever. So once he kind of is able to finish through, you know, one or two defenders with his extra, you know, dribble moves inside, should be good. He's great at setting things up. He just needs to finish it off teo maladon was also very great for the team he had 14 points on four of seven shooting all four of those buckets came from the three-point line catch and shoot specialist was four of five from downtown. also had five rebounds two assists and two steals so pleasant surprise from him slipping into this like george hill role kind of again where SGA is the number one, but Maladone, he can create for other players as well as just spot up, so not as good as, I think it was the Brooklyn game where he just could not miss from three, but it's still very good, getting four to go. That was second most on the team, I guess tied with Baisley. Number one was Mike Muscala off the bench, and he gave SGA a good run for his money when it came to the team leader and points. He had 21 off the bench, on 7 of 11 shooting, and 5 of 9 from the three-point arc, whenever it came down to kind of these situations where the Thunder were falling and they needed some sort of pick-me-up, Mike Muscala was the pick-me-up. He was the guy who was spotting up from the top of the key, could not miss whatsoever. I think it was the third quarter in particular that I'm talking about. Yeah, he was the guy who was getting the main shots. For the team and he has times where he looks like the number one option this was one of those games again i think as a contender you look at him as someone who should be on the top of your board to be quite honest with you this is nothing new for muscala and i believe he's averaging like nine points a game right now and he really doesn't play all that much in terms of like what you'd expect for someone scoring near double digits at the four to five spot Way he shoots it—that's gonna attract some people on a pretty sweet expiring deal. I don't know if he's really a trade chip. If the Thunder want to make him available, but they probably would be able to. He's just been that great. Do do the Thunder even want to move him? I mean, he was very willing to stick around with the team, even though he probably pretty easily could have left us over the off-season. Maybe Sam Presti wants to keep him around for the entire rebuild but Muscala is setting himself up for a situation where playoff contenders all over the place are going to be calling for him and in the offseason he's going to have a lot of offers on the table because he has really rejuvenated his career with the squad and it starts with performances like this where you know if you leave him wide open he has a pretty quick release for his position he's going to be able to bury them and he buries them kind of in heat waves so nothing new for Muscala just Him playing how he always plays, I guess. Dort, he had 11 points on two of 10 shooting, so not his greatest night. One of seven from three, but he did go six of seven from the free throw line. And I think it was last game against the Blazers, he had his season high of like eight or nine free throw attempts. This one's pretty close up there as well. And it's just because he wants to penetrate a lot more than usual. When it's not going down from three, There's more to his game than that. And you may not even want to consider his three a surefire thing. Sometimes it is. Wasn't one of those nights, so found other ways around it and was still able to get double digits. And so was the final member of the starting unit and Isaiah Roby. He goes in there, 23 minutes, gets you 10 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals. 4 of 9 in total, 1 of 3 from downtown and 1 of 2 from the free throw line. I'd say he did a pretty good job kind of clogging up Jonas Valanciunas. He only had 12 rebounds, so I'd consider that a win. Roby was pretty close to him in that category. And just being able to space things out. I think if you had Horford playing with this unit, probably would not have been as good of a result. Now, that's definitely like a hypothetical, and there's nothing to back that. But I'll just tell you, Valanciunas was not guarding Roby for most of the game and Roby got four assists because since Valanciunas wasn't trying to help out other people were kind of having to divert their attention to him he had some beautiful passes where he's throwing cross the court heaters to other players sizing them up for wide open shots so four assists for him that is amazing playing at the five we've seen a lot of bigs kind of amp up their production when it comes to creating plays for others Maybe this is something that Mark Dagnault has just started employing, but it has definitely been working. This was without a doubt one of Roby's best games as of late. For the Grizzlies, they kind of were just trying to run things through Ja Morant. He had 15 points, 11 rebounds, but get this, 12 assists. So he ended up getting the triple-double, and what it led to was a lot of wide-open shots for some other guys. Obviously, dude's picking up 12 assists on the game but Valanchunas he had 22 points pretty much entirely down low Kyle Anderson as well slow-mo in transition not really a true way to stop him he's so different than others that you really can't adjust him without fouling so he got to the line six times hit four of those got two threes to go ended up shooting three of them and seven for 11 in total so great stuff from him grayson allen surprisingly was really good i didn't expect grayson allen to even be a factor in this game but he ended up getting 22 points on 7 of 13 shooting 6 of 10 from three point range and it came a lot in the fourth quarter whenever the grizzlies went on that 20 to three run allen was in the corner just hoisting up shot after shot and they kept falling it was pretty ridiculous and then you had other guys like dylan brooks who Had a little bit of inconsistency, 5 of 13 from the game, but he still got 17 points, and it was a lot off of mid-ranges, and also just going inside, and the Grizzlies got a couple of pretty sweet gestures from the referees, I think Dylan Brooks, he probably got the best of it than anyone else, he got 7 attempts from the line, hit all of them, but I'd probably argue that one or two of those calls shouldn't have even happened i'm not going to take it against him it probably wouldn't have changed the result of the game that's kind of just what i saw though i think moving on for the thunder i mean this is a pretty impressive performance on short notice they made it a competition until the very end of the game and they shot a lot of threes in this one they kind of reverted back to wanting to go completely off from downtown shot 41 times they had 19 of them though for 46 percent so hey Maybe in their next game against the Milwaukee Bucks, we will see a little bit more of that. Moving on to the OKC Blue game, though, they entered in at 3 and 1. They were going against the 2 and 2 Memphis hustle. So you got the G League affiliate and the NBA affiliate. I I don't even know if you want to call it affiliate, but you got the NBA team, G League affiliate. Same exact night. Pretty close in time frames too, so. Kind of had to swap channels if you wanted to watch both of them. I just got dual monitors, as I've said, so works out pretty sweet for me. Anyways, the blue, they keep having some really strong starts. This was no different. They went on a 10-2 run, and it came a lot off of Antonius Cleveland. This guy has been amazing. I haven't talked about him that much, but he cannot miss from downtown. So he had a lot of catch-and-shoot threes, and then even outside of that, when they weren't going for threes... It was all down though. You got Omer, Yurt7, and Moses Brown who are unstoppable. Both 7-footers. Yurt7, 7-foot seven, seven flat, and Brown is 7-2. These guys in the G League don't match up. So they had 18 of their 34 first quarter points inside. Had a 6-point lead, 34-28, to 28, going in a quarter number 2. And they got on another run again. This one was 17-6. Got up 17 points off 3 triples. And a lot of inside play. And then after that, I'd say both teams got super duper cold. The Blue shot 3 of 11 in the final six, and the Hustle shot 1 of 13 in the final six. Yeesh, that's only 7.7%. Because of that, the Blue, they had a pretty strong lead at halftime. They were up 15 points, 61 to 46. Looking at points in the paint again, they had 28 of their first half points. Inside and 27 of their points came from three. Buried nine of them, shot nine of 13 as a collective. So they really didn't even look towards the mid range at all. I think those other points they may have collected may have just come from the line anyway. So, pretty clear on what style of play Coach Gibbs wants to see from his guys. And in the third, Gibbs, he was probably pretty happy because the Blue got a 24 point lead in the frame. But then the hustle got hot late, went on a 10-2 run to cut the deficit to 16 at the end of the quarter, 90-74, to and in the fourth quarter, the hustle, they kept going right at it. They went on an 8-2 run in the first two minutes to get this game to 10 points, but the blue fired right back with a run of their own. And when you're talking about time on the clock, I mean, the Thunder, they had this similar issue against the Grizzlies. Like, you can't overcome a 15-point deficit with, like, two minutes remaining. It's possible, but the odds are pretty slim. So, Blue got on a run to kind of take it away, and sure, the hustle kept chipping away, but they just couldn't break the surface. So, they ended up losing by 14. Blue win it 122-106. Blue, there has been nothing different with how they've been playing. They just always work on the interior. In their previous two games, they had 72 points in the paint and 90 points in the paint. In this game, they just had 46. So, eh, I mean, you may see that as an insignificant number, but that's still very, very good. I mean, in comparison, the Thunder only had 24 points in the game, so... Just a, just a little bit of a thing to consider right there. Blue, they're always dominant in the paint. Just a little bit less of a performance in this game. But they made it up from three. They shot 15 of 25 from downtown. That's unheard of. That's 60%. These guys were shooting in everybody's faces. It wasn't like the hustle were just giving these points away. They had to work for all of them. And they just got in rhythm. and infected onto everybody to be quite honest with you and it started with the antonius cleveland he hit four triples in this game four of six that's where he got the majority of his points. he ended up with 14 on the day but yeah absolutely killer i mean he wasn't even effective from twos so that's why i wanted to work his way outside just one of nine on twos if you were wondering but yeah killing it from three catch and shoot specialist you could probably put him in the league right now and he'd be a great just rotational presence, kind of what you'd consider like a Justin Jackson or Darius Miller for us. Could totally do it at the three. Also got six rebounds and an assist. And you got people such as Melvin Fraser Jr. who come out of the woodworks and just start balling out. All of three of his buckets came from downtown, and he's kind of in this catch-and-shoot role too. He sits in the corner, waits for the shot, and he buries it. 3 of 5, that's where he got his 9 points. Also got 5 rebounds, 2 assists, in 25 minutes of play. You just got a barrage of players who had 2 3-pointers. You're talking Rob Edwards, Vincent Edwards, and Ryan Woolridge. Out of those 3, I'd probably say I was the most impressed with Rob Edwards in this game. Just continues to look amazing off the bench for the blue. Shaw Crater, who gets a lot of attention just driven his way because of that i mean he seriously whenever he has the ball in his hands he seriously has like two three guys that he could just pass to and he ends up doing that and then from that pass blue it's infectious throw it once they want to throw it again just a continuous process he only had 21 assists in this game that is their season low but that's still definitely not bad at all so they were working everywhere lean score though came from the interior again it's moses brown and he's just on a complete tear right now i'd probably consider him the best of the best when it comes to the five position in orlando right now six of ten from the field the hustle actually were just trying to prevent him at all costs it's probably why the blue got so hot from deep but yeah their number one kind of game plan was we need to lock down moses brown and if they can't hit threes we win got the first step kind of i mean six of ten still really good second step they just completely lost it on but brown got 18 points and 13 rebounds seven of those came on offense really doesn't even need to jump to get those by the way and it all comes in 25 minutes so top performer yet again with him and even had two blocks and a steal his backup center in Omer Yurtseven was almost just as good. He had 15 points on 6 of 9 shooting and 13 rebounds. Four of those came on offense, and it was just in 22 minutes. I mean, they can't, they can't do anything against these people, and they don't even have Josh Hall right now. So these guys are clear championship contenders, and they're making a lot of noise around the league right now when you're looking at some other pieces jalen horde is one i have not talked about pretty much at all he was with the trailblazers last season comes over to us as like a six foot eight kind of project like he's really athletic though he had 15 points on three of eight shooting got to the line five times though and on how the g league works it's not just a sure like one free throw is worth one point Can be two, can be three, depending on if it's a shooting foul and where the shooting foul occurs from. So he got a lot of points from there, and he also had six rebounds and two assists. Transition-wise, he is amazing. Really, he could just cherry-pick all game if he wanted to. The defense has looked pretty sound with them. But yeah, he's been nice. And looking at some of the other players... I think some of the players you could see kind of helping out Jalen Horde when it comes to assisting the ball is one of the Thunder's own in Ty Jerome. This was his best game of the entire season so far. He had 16 points on 6 of 10 shooting, 1 of 3 from downtown. That's kind of his bread and butter, but he didn't go to it. He wanted to settle for more of like some runners, which is completely fine. And he had 3 rebounds and 4 assists to go along with it as well as a steal so good from Ty Jerome seeing some progress he looked a little bit shaky to start out the season a little bit slow and I I don't know if I love the style of play but seemed to work in this game so you cannot knock him for it I think more one of the like traditional guards on the roster the blue have is Xavier Simpson a lot quicker likes pushing the pace and he's very good at deciphering passing lanes a little bit quieter in this one Only had 8 points, 2 rebounds, and 4 assists. He'll probably bounce back, though. Notice I didn't even mention Pokachevsky, by the way. He straight up did not play, so he's going to be back in the next game. And just a tiny acquisition, if you guys care at all. They ended up having to replace Jason Randall since he got on a two-way deal with the Orlando Magic. He played on the actual roster. Like, he's playing with the Magic right now. He's not in the G League. I mean... You know, it kind of works out since they're in the exact same city. He could probably just transfer over and over if he wanted to. They got a lot of dudes out. So, Thunder, they actually got a pretty good deal in picking up Phil Booth. He played for the Washington Wizards last season. I think he's pretty nice. He is another one of these, like, point guard, shooting guard hybrids who's just a lot about attacking inside. Pretty athletic. I'm not going to say the three-point shot is all there but he's a pretty sweet project to build, and I'm shocked that the Thunder even had a shot to acquire him, so maybe watch out for him, watch out for Pokachevsky once he plays again, as well as Ty Jerome, and just the rest of this gang, so many great players on hold for the squad, and they're going to be going up against the Lakeland Magic on Friday, and maybe Chasson Randall will be playing for them, that'd be kind of an interesting storyline to see Randall, who was playing with the blue literally a week ago, going up against them. Maybe it might be an interesting story for both sides, but we'll see if that ends up happening. I'll be there to cover it for you when the game occurs, though. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I think tomorrow may be a bit more interesting because there's no game to recap. Might give you a few of the hot topics going around the Thunder community make sure to talk to you guys about it hope you all will enjoy that one but in terms of this one hope you enjoyed it as well and i will talk to you all next time see ya